0: Thanks for checking out Journey Church. This week we have a message by Pastor Kevin Taylor. So we're going to talk miracles, and I would submit that miracle is one of those perhaps overused and misunderstood words. Uh, There's a video I'm going to show you, just go ahead and play that. It's at the 1980 um, Olympics where the Americans were playing the Russians. (laughs) This is for the gold. Uh, The Americans were um, highly unfavored to win this game. The Russians, by all accounts, were going to win it and take the goal. This is the last few seconds of the game. And so that is the Americans against Russians. Again, this is the 1980 Olympics. At this point, the Americans are ahead. So they're trying to hold on to the lead in this final 30 seconds. And the final 10 seconds, as I'm sure it was electric in that crowd at the time. The countdown. And the Americans won the gold. All right, who can say awesome there, right? I mean, they're waving the flags. And I mean, even sitting in here, you kind of get a little bit of the chills with that. But what they refer to that game as now, 40 years later, if you ever hear the term miracle on ice, that's the game that they're talking about. The 1980 Olympics. And then there was the 1980, or rather the 1996 Olympics in Atlanta. The Russian women's gymnastics team had not been defeated for the gold in 48 years. To do it, a young lady named Carrie Strug had to nail a vault at 9.7. She had just hurt her ankle or her knee. It had been bandaged. Um, and I think it must be her ankle. And so she, she did that vault, she sprang into action, and she landed that vault. She scored a 9.7. She, get, she get, did the three-second you know, landing that you have to do to finish that off, and then she just collapsed. But the Americans won the gold. That is also called the miracle at Atlanta. That's what they call that. Uh, there was, they called the miracle at the 1986 Masters, given little to no chance of winning. 46 years old, Jack Nicklaus had one of the greatest rounds in golf history. He shot... A final round of 65, including a back 930, to become the oldest winner at the time of the Masters. Miracles, they say. But did those miracle moments? Did they mean anything? I mean, were any lives changed because of those miracles? Were any families strengthened? Were any marriages saved? Were any bodies healed? Were any walks recentered? Were any eternities altered? Were any of those miracles at all God moments? where he broke into human existence in order to reveal a truth about himself, like maybe like that he loved Americans more than he loves Russians. (laughs) No. One of the most watered down words in our vocabulary has to be the word miracle. So a politician pulls off an upset victory, it's a miracle. A quarterback throws a Hail Mary pass at the final second, it's a miracle. You find at Christmas time, you find a parking spot up near the store, it's a miracle. You come home after a hard day's work and you find that your husband has set the table, he has made dinner, all the children are, are studying quietly in their rooms, it's a miracle. Actually, that would be a miracle. But a miracle in the Bible, there is, there is a purpose for the miracles in the Bible. And the purpose of a miracle in the Bible was to authenticate the personhood of God. It was to verify the message from God. And yet a lot of people saw Jesus perform all kinds of miracles and it did not gain any faith. And so the real question is whether that you will accept the invitation to believe Jesus and to trust in Jesus on the basis of what God has already done to show you Jesus. Because God has already done a whole lot to show you Jesus. He has come. He is real. He lived. He taught he did miracles, he was crucified, he rose again, and he's here now. He's here now for you to receive him and engage with him and become friends together. A miracle is when God in heaven intervenes on the earth for his own glory. miracle literally isn't, for the most part, even about you or for you. It is that God would be glorified on the earth. And it it is when an all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present God intercedes in your life so that he is exalted. There's 140 miracles in the Bible, 38 of them in in the Gospels performed by Jesus. And some people might say, you know, I believe that God does miracles, but he's probably not going to do one for me. Maybe he did them (coughs) a long time ago, but today, eh, not so much. I just want you to know that I believe, and I believe the Bible is clear that God still works miracles today. Still does that. So the Gospel of Matthew tells us in Matthew 17, when Jesus and his disciples came to the crowd, a man came up to Jesus and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and suffers terribly. He falls into the fire and often into the water. I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, faithless and twisted generation How long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was healed instantly. You might say, I'm not really sure if I believe what you read today. Not really sure if I believe in the idea of demons or if evil, evil in that way. And I will say to you that the devil's greatest lie has, to, it has been to convince the world that he does not exist. It has been his greatest lie that he is not a force fighting against the kingdom of God, <coughs> that he's a concept, that he's an idea. But he is not simply a concept. He is wicked, and he is real, and he is a supporting cast that the Bible speaks of as Demons. Christianity is not a playground. Christianity is a battleground. So Ephesians 6 says it this way. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So listen carefully. Your mean boss, your angry neighbor, your antagonist on facebook your hard to get along with coworker your mother-in-law is not your enemy the bible is clear that the forces of darkness and evil and demonic spirits are your enemy here in matthew we don't know anything about this boy we we're told almost nothing we know nothing about his father. We know nothing about his family. We know nothing about his generational past. All we know is that Jesus delivers this particular person from a demonic spirit. And so let's just talk about that because we really don't talk about it all that much. What is that? So a demon is not the spirit of corrupt, evil, dead people. All right? So, boy, my uncle, he, that guy was a demon when he was around here. And now he's, you know, he, he's dead now, but he's still a demon. He's after me every day of his life. No, nope. your, your dead uncle was not a demon then, and he's not a demon now. The book of Isaiah and Revelation kind of give us some context for what we know as demonic and evil activity today. Because in Isaiah, the devil, formerly known as Lucifer, uh, in Isaiah, he makes five I will statements in a challenge to God in the book of Isaiah. And these describe him when he was known as Lucifer, who was the leader of all the worship in heaven. That was his role. And he says these five I will things. He says, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above God. I will sit on the mountain of the congregation. I will rise above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high God. And because of his great pride, God cast Lucifer out of heaven along with a host of rebelling angels that joined him and sided with him and who then became Satan and became uh, demonic entities. There is one devil and there are many demons. One devil, many demons. And if I may say this respectfully and within context, what an angel is to God, a demon is to the devil in that demons assist the devil and they do the work of our spiritual enemy trying to coax people away from the kingdom of god there are a couple of big mistakes that people make when it comes to this kinds of thing this kind of thing and let me give these these two mistakes to you one is that we often overemphasize demonic influence we overemphasize that when we suggest that there's a demon under every rock when the when the the, the stand fell onto the floor today. That was not, that was not demon, demonic activity. making that, that was a bad screw in here. Okay? The devil did not do that. The devil did not make you eat all of that. You did that. My little nephew's a demon. No, he isn't. Not a demon. She's, argu- she's argumentative. She has an evil spirit. No. He's on his fourth affair. He has an evil spirit. No. He's full of lust. And he has zero self-control. He's not hosting a demon. This is super important. Because the Bible makes it abundantly clear that Christ followers cannot be demon-possessed. There is a distinction between being possessed by a demon and being influenced by evil. There is a difference between having sinful character and being driven by evil spirit. There is a difference between being controlled by evil and being attacked or encouraged by evil, which we all are. In all the New Testament passages dealing with spiritual warfare, believers are called to resist the devil We're never called to cast it out of each other all the time. So James 4 says it this way, submit yourselves to God. That first sentence is important. You submit yourself to God. And when you submit yourself to God, then you can resist the devil and he will flee from you. Which strongly suggests to us that if we are not in a state of submission to God, we missed that first part. And the devil has the ability and the opportunity to find the cracks to get into your life. So we have to be very careful to stay in submission to God. And we have to be very careful not to rashly assign evil spirits to people of faith. Because I hear that happening from time to time, and that is a very serious claim. And so we can overemphasize the presence of demonic influence, but here's the other mistake that we make. We underemphasize emphasize demonic influence because not every problem is caused by the devil. But I would argue that more problems than many realize are caused by forces of darkness. Again, Scripture emphasizes this. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against spiritual forces and against powers of darkness. I know that it feels like in your life, it feels like you're wrestling against flesh and blood. It feels that way. But the Bible says no. You are not. You are against forces, spiritual forces of evil. So what's the work of those spiritual forces of evil on the earth today? Here's here's a few things. First, they tempt you to sin. They tempt you away from the will of God and they tempt you into selfish disobedience. That is a work of evil. That is not a work of God. James chapter one says that nobody say when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God. Don't say that. Because God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But demonic influence will. <clears throat> they will whisper to you, go ahead, take that. You did. I don't know if they talk like that. But that's, that's how the movies do it, you know, or whatever. But you know, you enjoy it. You, you should have it. You know, your way is best. You know, go ahead. It will make you better. God could never love you. He's out to get you. He doesn't care about you. He's against you. You're, you're doing fine. You've, ru- you've ruined your life. And on and on. Demonic influence or just evil influence sets traps to pull you away from loving God and from serving God, the one and only true God. Here's something else they do. They distract you from the will of God. And in one of the ways they do, they do that is by promoting doctrine that is false. And so Paul says in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, he says, the, clear, the Spirit clearly says that in later times, and we would be in those times, <coughs> some will abandon the faith and they will follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. That doesn't mean you got a little dude in a red suit with a Sharpie and a dry board, you know, who's, who's teaching you something. It means that there was a time When you were walking with God and you were following the truth and you were growing in God, but then deception got into your life and it pulled you away from the truth of, uh, from doctrinal truth and 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 into life falsehoods, all roads lead to God. Thank you for not amening right there because that is false doctrine, friends. The road that leads to God is the road that God says leads to God. And he says that here. This is our roadmap. Jesus tells us the only way to the Father is through him. That's the road that leads to God. Any other road that leads to God is a false doctrine. We might say, what's what's truth? And we hear this a lot in our society. What's truth is what works for me today. That's false doctrine. Because the truth is not what's found in you. The truth is what's found in here. Not your experience. Your experience will make a terrible master for you. I'm, some people say, I'm sincere though, PK. I, I, you know, my heart is sincere. Isn't that what's important? No. That is a false doctrine. And people are led away from the truth by evil-inspired voices. I'm not saying that they're possessed by anything. I'm saying that the forces of evil will tempt you away from God and, and, and they will teach those kinds of things. So be aware because they can distract you from the will of God and by his path, by promoting truths that are not truths. And then they inflict suffering both physically and mentally and relationally and, and socially and all those things. And the father in Matthew says to Jesus in this passage, Lord, have mercy on my son for he has seizures and he suffers terribly. He falls into the fire and often into the water. And again, that is not to say that every illness falls into that category. It would be wrong to say that we, because we know it doesn't. But in this case, in the scriptures, Jesus delivers this boy from suffering that is caused by influences that are evil. We know that Jesus came to give us abundant life. Isn't that Right? We know that he came for sinners and not for the self-proclaimed righteous. We know that he came to set people free. We know that was the mission of Jesus, seeking to save lost people. But we also know what the mission of Satan was and is. John 10 tells us that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Sound like a fun mission to you? Not something I want to be part of. He inflicts injury and pain. That's what that means. It means that he promotes thoughts that could even be suicidal or senses of desperation. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to ruin your testimony. He wants to wreck your finances. He wants to obliterate your health. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to crush your children. This is not a game. He's not some guy with a pitchfork and horns. It's not who he is. The forces of darkness hate God, and the forces of darkness hate the mission of God, and their evil task is to hurt what matters most to the heart of God, and what matters most to God is you. You are his treasured possession. And if you have been changed by the power of Christ, you have miraculous authority over darkness in the name of Jesus. As we fight this battle, we are not fighting this with our own power, no way, no how, we are fighting it with the power of Christ. And so Luke or Matthew 10 says that Jesus called his disciples and he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction that was caused by them. And so here's how we tap into that power a little bit. Just imagine that I am a police officer and I'm standing in the middle of the road and there is an 18-wheeler coming my direction. Do I have the physical power to make the 18-wheeler stop? It's not a trick question. I don't have the physical power to make the 18-wheeler stop. In that scenario, (coughs) the driver of the semi has the power. What do I have? Not the power... I have the authority. I don't don't have the power. I have the authority. I I have a spiritual badge that says I have authority given to me by Jesus. In fact, we see that in all kinds of walks of life today. It's, It's not even hard to understand. We see judges that put on the black robes and They don't have any power. The judge doesn't have power. But when he puts on the robe, what he has is authority of the law. He has the power of the law behind him. The judge doesn't have power. He has authority. When we see, when we visit the doctor, the doctor puts on the lab coat, the doctor doesn't have any power. The doctor has the authority of the science and the medicine that he represents. He has that authority. When our military people, put their uniforms on, they don't have any real power, but what they have is the authority of the government, they have the authority of the President of the United States behind them, they have that authority, not the power, you have the superhero, puts a cape on, yeah, I don't, I don't, actually don't know what power that person has, so that was just, that was just for fun. I as a believer just happen to be a pastor. I don't have any power. What I have is the authority of the word of God. And if you are a believer, you have the authority given to you by the word of God. And so with the badge, I can say stop to the driver of the semi even though I don't have the power to physically stop him yet because I have the authority. And if the driver doesn't obey my authority because I represent a higher, are you you with me here? Do you get that? You see what I mean? He must answer to that power. So I don't have the power on my own to defeat any forces of evil or darkness, but I have the authority to declare the name that is above every name and I have the authority to declare the name who has power over darkness not because I'm a not because I'm a pastor and you aren't if you are in Christ listen very carefully if you are in Christ you also have the authority over darkness in that powerful name Jesus said in Luke 19, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Jolene and I have been to various places around the world and I think she would, she would testify to this, that when we were walking the streets of Bangkok, Thailand, walking the streets of Pattaya, Thailand, We sensed an evil there. That wasn't something that we created in our hearts. We sensed evil. When we were with Duffy and Gil last uh, year, uh, visiting some of the villages of the Datog in the Tanzanian bush, we were in the one particular village, and we didn't feel the same way at every village. So it wasn't like there's just, you know, we're feeling that everywhere, but we went to a specific village, and Gil was talking to the the villagers of a hundred or so, they all have these spears and beautifully dressed colors and all that. And we're just kind of sitting nearby. We felt the power of evil in that place. There's no question about it. And at some point while Gil was, and they don't speak English, he was speaking a datog to them. And as he was talking to them, all of a sudden, like just like, like in the middle of a sentence, he just all of a sudden kind of looked over at us and he said, we need to go. I, I was Ready? We should have gone thirty minutes ago, man. You know, honestly. But, but I I sense the power of darkness there, and as as did Dolphy and Gil, because you can sense that. Sometimes you sense that in your own workplace. I, I know, I'm not. Please, let's not overemphasize. We aren't saying that everybody who doesn't know Jesus carries some evil spirit with them. That that is not so. But evil influence. Evil wants to influence us, and you might sense that in your own walk with God, and what what I often do not recognize is that there is a force of darkness trying to get in between me and Jolene. That there is a force of darkness trying to damage and destroy my adult children and my grandchildren. There are forces of darkness that want you dependent on an image that is lustful. There's a force of darkness that wants you to become dependent on a chemical in a way that will harm you for good, that will tempt you to become a prisoner to something. Forces of darkness are involved in a lot of that because you are in a spiritual battle. You are a spiritual being far more than you are a physical being. But as much as we know about our enemy, there are just a couple of things. Again, it's important that we don't assume these things. And I kind of said this already, but it's so important. I just want to say it one more time and maybe restate it a little different way. That, that it would be wrong to think that every problem is a result of demonic influence. Because we live in a world that is painful. And sometimes that's just what you're experiencing. Sometimes you did something wrong. Sometimes that's what you're experiencing. Just the consequences of your own actions. Not the devil in you. Because James makes that clear that every person is tempted when he is lured and and enticed, not always by the enemy, but by his own desires. Not every problem can be traced to demonic influence. Sometimes it was just you. But the other problem that we have there, an assumption, is that no problem is a result of demonic influence because some are. So when you have a trial and when you have a mountain, do what's wise And apply some common sense and, and pray for the supernatural power of a miracle-working God to come to bear on that situation. You have a relative who has been sick for years. I'm not saying that relative is possessed by anything. Be wise. Take her to a specialist if she has some kind of, of a health problem and pray for the supernatural power of a miracle-working God to come into her body and a power that is stronger than you. You have been battling some anxious thing big time. You have been having these attacks in some way. You've been desperate. Be wise. You see a qualified doctor and you take some right medication to to normalize you and you pray in the name that is above every name for something miraculous to happen, for God to bring mental peace and mental rest into your life. You're experiencing emotional stress you're, you're discouraged and you're just, you're so downtrodden. Be wise. Consult a great counselor and pray for deliverance from the lies that have kept you in bondage. Supernaturally, you have a rebellious teenager, be wise. You know, take their phone away or, you know, whatever you do, monitor their friends more closely and, and pray for divine protection from the enemy that wants to bombard them every single day. Do what's natural and pray for the supernatural. You're battling an alcohol addiction? Be wise. Get to Freedom Seekers on Wednesday night or get yourself into a 12-step program and pray with the power of spiritual warfare to come to bear on your situation. Take a Tums and <laughs> pray for supernatural healing. There was some years ago, I had been given the name of a young woman, uh, her name and her phone number, and I'd been asked by someone here to, to call her. And I will confess that I, I put it over here and I had forgotten And actually, I'd forgotten for more than a week. It had been two weeks, and actually, it might have been longer. And at one point, I saw that. I I kept seeing it, and I actually, just confessing, I didn't do it. At one point, during one of my days, I I said, "I, I think that I need to call her now. And when I called her, at that moment, she had a bottle of pills sitting next to her that she was getting ready to take. Do you think that was just me? That wasn't me. I, I have no power in that situation. But it was the voice of the Holy Spirit calling at that right moment. That is the authority that we have, friends. That's the authority that we have. When Jesus rose from the dead, he defeated darkness. So Jesus said, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If you are in Christ, Christ dwells in you. And John goes on to say, the light shines in the darkness, the darkness cannot overcome it. So wherever there is spiritual darkness and you walk into the room, Christ follower, light follows you in. Light comes in with you and light always defeats darkness. And if you are in Christ, you don't have any power over darkness. You just have the authority of the one who does. And so we just say that, we can speak that verbally, we can say those things, that I take authority over the forces of darkness, trying to lead my children away from the kingdom and away from God in Jesus' name. And we still do what's natural, but we invoke the supernatural. I stomp on the head of the enemy who wants to attack my family in Jesus' name. I defeat every demonic force striking at my marriage in Jesus' name. Now, I can't really defeat the forces of darkness, but I'm doing it in the authority of the power of the one who can. I stand against the evil wickedness that wants to get me down and keep me down, that wants to discourage me and wants to assault me and wants to devastate me in Jesus' name. I have... Victory over the devil who seeks to devour me and draw me into sin and wound me and scar me and hurt me and ultimately to kill me in Jesus' name. You do what's natural. And then you invoke the authority and the power of the one who can do the supernatural. So how did Jesus respond to that? Last thing here. And thank you for hanging with me. When he was tempted by the devil, because Jesus was tempted just as you are. In fact, he was tempted in the three ways that every single person in this room is routinely tempted. These three ways, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and the lust of the eyes. And in all of those situations, temptation one, here's how Jesus responded to the devil. He said, it is written. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. For the second temptation, Jesus said, it is written you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. For the third temptation, Jesus said, it is written, you shall worship the Lord only and him only shall you serve. And Jesus, in every case, responded with the word of God. Listen, listen. This is why we have to know this. This is why if if we skip anything, we can't skip this. We have to know what the word of God says. And that's why we're passing out the SOAP cards to you at the end of every month so that you will read through the word with us. And the SOAP just stands for, the S-O-A-P stands for scripture. You're going to read the scripture. The O is observation. You're going to observe what you read there. The A is application. What, What does that mean to my life? And then we don't neglect the P. The P is to pray. Base everything on the truth of scripture. Can I get an amen on that? Because the truth of scripture will bring health and maturity, and safety to your life, we must even hold our emotions to the truth of Scripture. Because it is very often that I hear, I feel like God is angry at me. I feel like God is mad at me. I I feel like God has forgotten me. But has He? No. He hasn't forgotten you. Those are all lies that are driven by the enemy, and at times they are driven by our emotions, but for sure they are not driven by the truth of God's word. Because he said that he would never leave you and never forsake you. We trust God. Why? Because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. <coughs> Why? Because though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Why? Because your enemy, the devil, ro- ro- prowls around like a roaring lion for looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Why? Because in all things, you are more than conquerors through him who loves you. Why? Because the Lord says, do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. The battle isn't yours. It's God's. Why? Why? Because the Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be, defeated, to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven. Why? Because our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is against authorities and powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of, of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, as it will you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand and after you have done everything to stand. If you are in Christ, you have authority over darkness and evil in the name of Jesus. Stand. You all stand. So we're going to pray that this morning. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for a moment. First, for every person, and thank you for hanging with us here, just a few more minutes. Just, just bow your heads. For every person in the room who doesn't know Jesus, you are not in Christ today. <clears throat> you can leave this room having begun a personal relationship with the Father, He sent his son because he loves you. And it is in Jesus that we receive the power that we're talking about today. So if that's you and you say, I I wanna give my life to Christ today, would you lift your hand and let me see it? All across the place, yep. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So great. In the balcony, I see you. Praise the Lord. Thank you. I'm gonna just ask you to pray with me this morning. And I just ask everybody just to kind of pray this prayer with me. There are no formulaic prayers. There are no magic prayers. There's simply you putting your faith in Jesus. We're simply gonna facilitate that today with a prayer together. You put your trust and your hope and your faith in Jesus and he will come into your life today. So every single person in the room, everybody, faith followers and those of you who raise your hands as well, let's pray this. Ready, here we go after me. Heavenly Father, I confess your son as my savior. I confess my sins, I confess my wrongdoing, and my disobedience to you in Jesus' name. I confess that you are Lord. I confess you are the savior. I confess you are the soon coming king. So I invite you into my heart, by faith, to change me, to make me new. I repent of my sin. I turn from it and walk another direction And ask that you would help me now to walk toward you every day for the rest of my life. Thank you for coming into my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you celebrate that with me today? If you prayed that prayer, I would love to see you at starting point or go over there. There, We have a New Testament for you and then there's some next steps. We just want you to keep walking the right direction. And so one last time, um, one more time, just, just bow your heads real quick. Every single person in this room who's fighting, and again, we are not overemphasizing here today, and we are not underemphasizing. We are saying that evil forces want you to be destroyed. And so every person in this room who struggles today with depression, or you just struggle with desperation, you struggle with insomnia, you struggle with anxiety, you struggle with, with fear, you struggle with worry, you struggle even with suicidal thoughts at times. Any of those, or some I didn't mention, it's just Satan and, and force of enemy are con- constantly attacking you and your mind. Would you just lift your hand? We're gonna pray for you today. Look at that, just everywhere. If, you, if this is not an issue for you, I'm going to ask you to begin praying for those for whom it is. Would you right now begin praying that and everybody now? God, we ask that you would come and that you would do something supernatural and miraculous in the minds and the hearts of those who raise their hands for every person who just feels hopeless today, for every person who just feels attacked by the power of the enemy, who feels attacked by, by feeling desperate, by feeling depressed, by feeling, uh, by feeling Uh, worrisome and and anxious like all the time when we put our head on the pillow we just cannot seem to get to sleep Uh, we ask that you would come and that in the place of those things that you would give an inordinate rest to them that that could only come from the Holy Spirit that you would give a miraculous peace that would rest on the heads and the hearts of those whose hands are raised God we, we ask that tonight would be a night that they have never experienced when they lay their head on the pillow there would be just this rest that comes across their hearts and their spirits. They would know that you touched them. They would know beyond a shadow of a doubt, God, that this was a moment that you swept into their hearts and their lives. God, that you would, you would help us to know that, that you're for us. You're not against us. And so, God, we ask that you would come, and that you would shower each and every person with just this enormous rest, enormous peace. That you would free our minds from things that you don't want us thinking about. God, that you would lift discouragement. You would replace it with encouragement. God, that you would lift desperation and that you would replace it with an amazing joy that can only come from you. We thank you for that. Now, would you begin to thank him for that even before you've even felt anything or sensed all that? Let's begin to thank the, the healer. We Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the way that you heal us. We thank you the way that you love us and the way that you care for us. We give you all praise for that, Lord. We thank you. Let me just add one more. Any healing in the house, something in your body, I'll tell you that someone apt at the end of the service, I had the card, it went away, but I had the card on the table and it, it said from somebody leaving, they were filling out a praise card, they said at the first service, during the first service, their sister who was in a care facility paralyzed from the waist down While we were praying this morning at the end of the first service, the gentleman got a call on his phone from the care facility to say, we don't understand it, get it, but your sister got up today. I mean, just now. She got up. She began to walk. I don't know. You can explain it however you want to explain it. I will explain it that the power of God came to bear on that situation at that moment. God still does miracles and so who has a healing that you need to have taken place in your body today would you raise your hand you need a healing and again if this is not your issue would you begin to pray for those around you who need it or maybe you could just put your hand on somebody and just begin to pray for them let's all start to pray would you God we thank you that you're the healer we don't even put our faith in a healing today we put our faith in you you're the one who heals And so, God, we ask that your power would be present in this place to heal today. We ask that your power would be made manifest and that you would sweep through bodies. God, that you would touch broken feet and ankles, that you would touch broken and busted knees and hips. Uh, God, that you would touch midsections all across this place that, that are hurting and that are sore. God, for internal organs, God, where there might be a cancerous situation attached to a lung or to a stomach. Or on our skin, God, that you would begin to touch that, that you would destroy that cancer, that you would cause it to be gone in Jesus' name. God, we ask not with our own power, we ask in the authority of the power in the name of Jesus. God, from the neck up, wherever there's something in someone's ears or someone's eyes or someone's, uh, someone's nose or ear or throat or God, in their head, in their brain, God, if there's something there, God, that you would begin to Relief, release them and and give them relief from the things, the thing that hurts them and the thing that's kept them down. God, we pray deliverance in our bodies to make us whole in the name of Jesus, we ask it. We ask it in the awesome and strong name of Jesus. God, would you begin to praise him for that again? We thank you, Lord, for your power. Thank you, God, that you do the work. We trust you for it. In the name of Jesus. For more info about Journey Church, please visit jrnychurch.com.